great CEOs come from anywhere. I do think the experience helps. A lot of our more seasoned CEOs, they know what they're doing, but you can have just young, hungry people that are really excited about what they're doing, and that could come right out of school, that could come after two years doing something else. It, it really does vary. Welcome in to Studying Success. On this podcast, I interview investors and entrepreneurs who tell us about their life, the ins and outs of their industries, and the different ways that they have found success. What's going on? Well, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing really well. That's awesome. Where are you right now? I am in New York City. I've been living here for about two years now. So, yeah, it's fun. Are you trying to stay away from the humidity? I'm trying to. Uh, it's pretty hard to avoid, to be honest. It's been like in the 90s here every day and muggy and one of those where you step outside for like a minute and you're already drenched in sweat. So, trying to stay away, but pretty much impossible, to be honest. What would you say are the key things or events in your life that got you where you are now? I'm from New Jersey, born and raised like an hour or so outside of New York City. One of three kids. I have two younger sisters. I'd say academically, you know, I always liked school. I was always pretty good at it, frankly, which is helpful. But I did. I liked learning. I liked, you know, especially six through 12. I went to a great school. So that was awesome. But when I went to college, I, I went to the University of Pennsylvania and when I went to college, I, I was not one of those kids in school who kind of knew what they wanted to do, right? Like, I think everybody has those people, even in high school, that know exactly, like, I'm going to go to med school, or I'm going to go work at a bank, or, you know, it, I was not one of those people. I had no idea. I didn't even know what VC was in freshman year of college, actually. So I just took a bunch of classes I really, really enjoyed, and I ended up majoring in philosophy, politics, and economics, which is a really kind of liberal arts major, but I loved the courses. I thought it was really interesting. And when it came time to start thinking about like, hey, college doesn't last forever. You should probably start thinking about a career. I didn't really know. So I thought for a while I was going to do a banking internship and kind of go down the banking path. But at the very last minute, I had this really unique opportunity to go work for Nike. I always grew up playing sports. I loved sports. So I thought this would be awesome. And Nike had this really unique group for it where I worked that was kind of in their innovation department. And what they did was they'd launch sports and fitness startups kind of in stealth, right? So no Nike swoosh on it, no nothing, put them in, you know, put them into the world and see if they worked. Like just kind of test a bunch of stuff. And if it hit a point of scale, then they would loop it into Nike's kind of overall umbrella. And I came out of that summer thinking like, this is the best thing ever. Like so much fun, really interesting, something different every day. I was talking to people that were really interesting and we were trying to solve really cool problems. So I came out of that summer thinking, I want to work in startups. I want to work in something around startups. So it was, okay, do I go back to Nike or a program like it after college? Do I go work at a startup? Do I find a company I'm really excited about and try to work for them? Or do I try to get into venture? Which I frankly didn't think was a viable path. That's not something that typically happens out of school. You don't typically go straight from undergrad to venture. But I had the opportunity to meet Teamworthy after my junior year of college and they were open to me kind of joining on as a summer intern. And I did that, really enjoyed the experience. I actually found a company as a summer intern that we later invested in, which was really cool. And then after I graduated school, they were kind enough to kind of extend an offer to me full time. And I've been here ever since. So really it was that summer at Nike and figuring out I really wanted to work in startups. And I was always interested in the investing side of the work. You know, I took some business classes in college and enjoyed them. So it ended up just kind of working out really well. It was a mix of good timing, kind of good experiences, and frankly, a bit of a bit of luck in there too. Could you tell us what you do now? Like, 
what do you do on a day-to-day basis? Sure. So I work for a venture capital firm uh, based out of actually Connecticut, where we're based now. And, you know, my job on the team is, you know, high level in, in venture capital. We invest in startups. So we're trying to find the best young companies in the country that are building great businesses. We want to try to find them and invest in their businesses really early on and then really try to be helpful in growing those businesses for the next you know, five to 10 years in many cases. So it's my job to essentially be a scout on the team. You know, I go and I canvass the world of startups every day and I try to find ones that are really interesting and I reach out to them and try to get the CEO on the phone. And then from there, I'm trying to help our team understand, hey, is this worth considering investment? Should we be investing in these businesses? So in many ways, part of my role, I act like a scout. And then on the other hand, maybe even my favorite part of the role is you know, I try to help our companies succeed. You know, it's really our job to figure out, you know, how can we be helpful to this company every day? Are there new customers we can introduce them to? Are there new partners? Are there new hires we can help them make? So really my job is to find great businesses and ultimately do what I can to help them succeed. So I love what I do every day. What makes a company desirable to invest in? Like, is it their financials, the team, or the idea? What makes a company desirable? Well, it's a mix of all of those, right? You just said there. And frankly, how we weigh those is in many ways going to differ depending on the stage of business. I think, again, the heart and soul is the team. It's about the people. Is this the right group of people to be building this business? And The question I always ask myself after I get off the phone with a CEO or a senior executive is, would I want to go work for this person? Like, would I be excited if I didn't have a job now to go and work for them and work for this company? And if the answer to that question isn't immediately yes, there's probably some questions we need to be asking internally. So is this a really great group of people with high integrity and with a lot of talent? That's first and foremost. Number two is the quality of the products. You're really trying to understand and work back from the perspective of the customer. And this is one thing that we do a lot. We talk to customers and say like, hey, is this solving your problem? Is this really working? Or would this solve your problem? Would it work? So really understanding the quality of the product. We're also looking for things that are unique in the business model. So you know, you mentioned there the pricing, the pricing structure. Are they able to price in creative and unique ways that makes it more attractive for the customer and a better kind of moat for the business? So those are all things that we look for. Are they working in a market segment that we're really excited about, one that's growing? You know, we never want to be investing in a market that's shrinking. We're long-term opportunistic in ventures when you invest in the stages that we do. So we want to work with businesses that are going to kind of expand with the size of their market. So Between all those things, we're looking for great businesses. And also just in terms of, you you mentioned financials there, companies that run really efficiently, right? We're giving companies money for the sake of growing their business. What we don't want to have happen is us give them capital and they spend it on things that aren't important. And all of a sudden they come back to us six months later and say, hey, we need more money. We burn through all that. We want companies that can take every dollar, trying to show an element of thrift around that, Uh, where every dollar means something and every dollar taken in and spent leads to revenue. That's something we always look for with our companies. After you invest in a company, how involved are you in their business? And 
what do you do to be involved? This might be my favorite part of the work that we do, and I can talk about why my background got me so excited about venture and specifically this part of the role. But what we do is our goal is to be as helpful as we can. We're pretty involved. And frankly, we see that as a differentiator compared to other firms that are just kind of blank checks. So for us, we try to think about it in three main ways. It's first and foremost, new customers, right? I'm talking to CEOs every day that could be customers of our companies or vice versa. So finding ways to build those webs and make those introductions, I always find really satisfying. Number two is kind of new partners. Are there companies in our portfolio that could work together, mutually sell together where they could both win? There's new hires, right? There's new people. This is something we're thinking a lot about right now is how do we help our companies hire more effectively? Like, hey, I'm really looking for a new head of sales or head of marketing. Can you help us do that? That's something we're, we're now spending a lot of time on. And probably my favorite part is, again, given the number of types of businesses we're seeing, we might just have really creative ideas that we learn from one industry that we could apply to one of our companies. We just take a very different perspective in the amount that we see, and we kind of sit above the whole, the whole ecosystem. And once you start being able to reason by analogy and find patterns, you can apply really creative, interesting ideas to companies. So being able to think really creatively, that's why I really like this role. I think compared to a lot of roles in finance, especially roles that are not on the buy side, you know, this is a creative role. There's a lot of creativity that goes into it, and that's what gets me really excited. What's an example of you taking an idea from one sector and applying it to a different sector of business? So I'd say a while back, this was actually before the start of our fund, but I'd say this was one of our most impactful creative ideas. We're investors in a company called Ibotta. You might have actually used the app on your phone. They do cash back rewards. So I go into a grocery store and I you know, buy a bunch of stuff certain brands will offer cash back. You can get kind of a few dollars for purchasing something. And Ibotta kind of powers those promotions. So they let the, the merchants offer those cash back promotions. That business has done really well. It's a big company now, and it's really interesting. On the other hand, we're investors in a really interesting business that works in B2B purchasing. So it makes it really easy for, in this case, a veterinarian to go buy all the medication and all the tools that they need to run their practice. And we thought, hey, that cash back thing works really well in Ibotta's case. What if you flipped that and put that in this Vetcove model and veterinary? Could you power cash back transactions in this space? And we gave them that idea. And now it's a very big part of their business model, how they're able to handle promotions. It's a big monetary strategy. And one that came, frankly, just out of our partners understanding this insight in one space and applying it to another. So that's one example. But there's, you know, there's dozens over the past, you know, even year and a half that have been really impactful. But that's one I always like because it really is such a big part of their business now. So you've already mentioned what your favorite part of what you do is. What is something that you don't like as much? I will say in my role... You know, in many ways, I operate like a salesperson at one of our companies. I send a lot of emails to CEOs asking them to get on the phone, hoping that they respond. CEOs are really busy people. If you ever get the chance and you have on this podcast, you understand just how busy they are. They're in meetings all day. There's a real opportunity cost to their time, right? So I have to be able to write an email that convinces them like, hey, spending 30 minutes with this guy is a better use of my time than something else. 
Oftentimes, the best CEOs are so busy that even if I write the best email of all time, if I send them something just incredible, they'll never respond. They're just busy. So in our role, you know, you think about this, and obviously it's, it's far more difficult as the entrepreneur than what we do, but I send a lot of emails that don't get a lot of responses. And that's discouraging when you spend a lot of time researching a company. Over time, we've gotten better at still getting those people on the phone and finding our way to kind of prove their value prove our value to them, but that can be discouraging when the best CEOs you find don't always reach out. So that's one. And the other is, you know, we speak to a lot of companies. For every one company that I, you know, for every hundred companies I speak to, we might not make a single investment, right? So sometimes I can get really excited about a company and really like it, and for one reason or another, we don't invest when I've kind of emotionally committed myself to loving what these guys do. So I should, that's something I should probably get better at, frankly, but yeah, those are some parts of the work that can be challenging at times. What do you put in those emails that are attractive to CEOs that make them want to meet with you? Frankly, this is an ongoing experiment for us, but I'd say a few things that we do is, like one, we want to demonstrate a level of enthusiasm for the business. Like, notice what you're doing. It's really exciting. But then making the point of like, here's why we're excited. Here's the unique insight we have that, you know, this was not just a cookie cutter email. This was personalized. That could be something like, you know, in many cases, we reach out to a company because one of our existing portfolio companies has already spoken about it and said they really liked it. Or this is a problem one of our companies is having. Can you try to find a vendor that would solve it for us? We try to put that in these emails. So it's not just, hey, we'd love to speak with you. We're a venture capital firm. We'll invest in your business. It's, hey, we noticed what you're doing. It's really exciting. Congrats on all the progress. Here's why we're excited. Here's why we're really interested. This is a space we have experience in, in some cases, and we have a unique kind of learnings from one of our other companies. We'd love to find 15, 20 minutes to talk to you just to learn how we could be helpful. You know, if we can try to get you some new customers or if there are things that we can share on our work, we want to find ways to be helpful to you. If you position the email in that way, I think that gives you the best chance. And that's all genuine, right? I'm not making any of that up. That is really our goal. And Whenever we're emailing a company, there is a real conviction behind that email. We are excited about it. So that's typically how we approach it. Before reaching out to a company, how do you evaluate that this company would be a worthy investment if you can't see their financial statements? We're trying to think about it thematically, right? Again, as I said in our emails, we oftentimes have a perspective on the space. So sometimes I go in to find a bunch of companies not understanding or, or not knowing that company exists at the start. But thinking about a specific sector or industry, like, okay, here's a theme I notice: this kind of business-focused payments, I don't know, uh, SMB payments. Okay, I really like this theme. Maybe I like payments for home services. Okay, let's go find something in that serves plumbers or landscapers. Or Yeah, I'm, I'm making something up here. But you find a theme that's really exciting. And then from there, you look and see, okay, who's doing something in this space creatively? That's one thing we do. We develop DCs around areas that are really exciting. There are also some just really simple things you can look at that anybody can. Like for a mobile app, for example, do they have really good app reviews? Like that's probably a really good indicator, right? If they have a lot of five-star reviews on the app store, it means that people are using it and liking it enough to leave a review. That's a really good indicator. We should probably reach out to them. We're investors in a company called G2, which is ratings and reviews for software. If they have really good G2 reviews, that's probably a really good indicator. The other is the people, right? Like, huh, 
they just hired someone who is the VP of sales at a very successful company to run sales at this business. That's really interesting, right? There's probably something around the team that's exciting. So we're trying to pull a lot of outside data sources and ideas and trying to determine off of that if something is interesting. So yeah, it's difficult, but those are you know very simple things that you can do to try to find some ideas around whether a company is, is worth reaching out to. What does a good CEO look like? What does a good business model look like? All CEOs are different and all people have different kind of understandings and thinkings around what a good executive looks like. This is coming from me personally. You know, when I ask myself the question, would I want to work for this person? Here's what I think about. You know, startups are really darn hard. It is really hard to run a company every day. Things happen, especially at the earliest stages. There's tons of ups and downs. I think the best CEOs are just kind of steady in personality. You know, I kind of think about it as one, you're really depressed. You're in the dumps. You're angry. 10, you're like over the moon. Like the best CEOs I speak to sit permanently, I feel like, between a five and a seven. You know, they're just kind of controlled. They know how to celebrate victories, but at the same time, you know, they don't want to get too down. So people that have that temperament, I think, are really important. And people that are really good communicators, you know, people that are really good at explaining what they want and how they want to do things. And people that are nice, like you'd be very surprised how many people you work with, especially investors, frankly who are just not nice people. You know, the value of being nice and being considerate and being able to take someone else's perspective, whether that's a customer or an investor or a potential new hire, that's so important. And I think the best CEOs do that really well. So those are some things I look for. People that have a good temperament, are nice people, have a really good understanding of focus and knowing how to use their time. One of our partners here says it all the time, you know, time is the scarcest thing that we have. And the best CEOs know how to use their time really well. So those are things I look for from the CEO side. Pricing model, it's going to be different. It's going to you know depend on the business. But one that takes a creative approach to pricing, one that makes it so it's friendly for the company, the customer, but also one where it makes a lot of sense for the business, and one that can kind of leave room to evolve or change over time. Those are some things we look at. But yeah, hopefully that answers that question. That, that's Those are some of the things that I, I look at personally. You talk to CEOs all day. Is there any pattern that you've seen within the CEOs or is there a pattern with anything they say? It's tough to say. Every business is so different. So I think it's hard for me to kind of pin down specifics. Like every CEO we've invested in says this for this response. Like that's not the right way to think about it. I think a lot of them have those same kind of high level traits, which is interesting. And all of them are frankly really good at hiring. They're really good at recruiting people. I think that's a big trait. You know, no individual person is perfect. They're not going to be able to do everything. So being able to bring in great people and kind of have an all-star in every position on the team that's a really unique trait for some of our best CEOs. So I'd say it's more in high-level traits as opposed to specific characteristics. What do you think makes a hire an all-star? That's going to depend on the role, right? The traits that make a really good engineer, I think, are very different from the traits that make a really good salesperson versus a very good marketing person versus a very good product person. I think one is kind of high-level is, again, the same with the CEO, Good people want to work with them, right? They have a certain magnetism that gets like, hey, really smart kid coming out of school. Yeah, I want to go work for that guy. That's going to be really exciting for me. They all have that. I think a lot of them, too, are able to work 
quickly but effectively. You know, we talk a lot about the kind of velocity of an organization. There's a really good acronym that our managing partner loves to use. It was actually used by fighter pilots during the Vietnam War. It's called OODA, O-O-D-A. And it's a loop that goes observe, orient, decide, and act. You observe a situation, you orient yourself to it, you decide the right best course of action, and then you execute on it, you act on it. And that's a cycle. After you act, then you've got to observe again. And the faster you can work through that cycle, the higher velocity of an organization you are. I think our best team members across our portfolio are really good at flying through that UDA cycle. So that's one thing that we look at. I find that model to be really interesting. So that's one. Our teams on that, they all learn quickly. Kind of the ability to learn fast is really helpful. So yeah, I'd say all of those things are, are really important. What advice would you give or did you receive to get to where you are now? I think one thing for me is like being an open mind to trying new things in your career. I I think, you know, I, in college, again, I didn't know what venture was until I was probably a sophomore in college. I went into a career where we're doing investing in technology companies. I did not have a background in finance. I did not have a background in tech. In theory, I probably wasn't qualified on paper to do what I'm doing now. But I think the advice I give is, you know, continuing to, one, be willing to learn, be willing to try new things that are interesting. You never know what's going to be really interesting to you until you really dig into it and give it a go. I think that's really important. I think a lot of people, frankly, I see a lot of my friends now are just kind of afraid to try things and at least give things a look. And maybe that's really interesting for the next part of your career. So I think that's a big thing. I also think just reaching out to people. I I had a lot of really good conversations where you know, sending someone a cold email, like, hi, I'm in college, but I'm really interested in what you're doing. Could you find 15 minutes just to share a bit about your career and things that you've been doing? You'd be surprised how nice people are. And people like talking about themselves, frankly. So it's a good, it's a good thing to do. So sending those emails, reaching out, building those connections, I think is all important. But I think too, when you're in college and when you're in high school, I think it's something that you don't want to stress over, like especially when I was a freshman and sophomore. I wasn't thinking about like, oh, got to get through college so I can get a great job so I can have a commercially successful life. I still try to just kind of form relationships and make good friends in college. Now, that's probably the most valuable thing that comes out of college for me is the relationships I have and the friends I have. We're all going to do very successful things. So really focusing on that and enjoying that and building the relationships and then experimenting, trying new things, not being afraid to reach out. I think those have all been big parts of of why I'm here now. So what resources like books or podcasts would you recommend to learn more about what you're doing? It's actually funny. We have a bunch of interns over the summer at our firm and we have, I think this is pretty unique. We have like a little book club. So like once a week, our entire firm reads a book and we sit down and discuss it. And I think we've got some pretty good ones. I always like reading kind of biographies of the world's best entrepreneurs. So I think one here, I'll I'll pull it up, it's really good. This is Sam Walton's uh, book. Sam Walton started Walmart, it's a great story. He's just a, a really funny character. He's a really unique guy. I think there are a lot of unique learnings there. So Made in America by Sam Walton is good. The other one I have in front of me is, this is a bit more of a textbook, but this is Four Steps to the Epiphany by Steve Blank is a really good book for understanding, frankly, ideation and starting businesses. That's a really good one. I always find that really interesting. 
there, there's a bunch. Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Moore is great. That's understanding how to take a business from your early adopters to the mass market. I'm listening a lot, but I think Information Rules is a really good one. That's probably my favorite, actually. That's written by this guy, Salvarian, who I'm, I'm pretty sure is still the chief economist for Google. It's a really interesting book that talks about kind of information or network-based businesses and how you price around some of that and how those businesses grow. You know, a lot of these are older books, but frankly, they're kind of the Bibles for a lot of this. I much prefer reading that kind of stuff. So those are some things I'd point people to. So on each podcast, I ask my guests the same question at the end, which is, do you have any parting advice? Any parting advice? Man, it's a big question. I think the highest level thing you can do is just be nice to people in your career. I, I think some of the most rewarding experiences I've had in my role today is when a CEO who we did not invest in reaches back out to me and says, hey, Danny, I loved interacting with you. I loved working with you. I know you didn't invest, but my friend just started a company. I'd love for you to meet him or her because I think you'd be a great fit for them. That's really rewarding. So I think that's one thing I value is just kind of continue to be a nice person, act with integrity, being honest with people. And I think really care about, especially for your first job out of school, the people that you work with. Like that matters so much. Try to work with people who care about your development, that care about teaching you things, and that you like spending time with, right? You forget about just how much time you spend working and in your job. So making sure you're working with people that you genuinely enjoy spending time with, I think is super important. So those are a few extra pieces, I'd say. Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been awesome. Of course, Will. Thanks for having me. As always, thank you for listening, and please make sure you subscribe to get updated when new podcasts come out. I'm Will Burkhart, and you've been listening to Studying Success.